Let's go to our Bible study tonight. The interesting thing that our Bible study tonight, even though is in the book of 2 Kings, is more like a Christmas story. So let's look at that tonight on 2 Kings chapter 11 and verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 11 verse 1. You know, I, I found in my, uh, what is that little app that we listen to music from? I forgot the name. Spotify. Spotify. Thank you. I found on my Spotify, like last week, I found a nice Christmas thing. It is godly music all day. I will enjoy it. Just all the songs we sing at church, they're right there. And I like, I leave them on all day. <laughs> I, I have to look at it. I just found that thing. I was like, this is so good. It is such a blessing. Okay, 2 Kings, let's go to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 11, and verse 1. 2 Kings 11, 1, I'll get there as you get there. And um, let's look at verse 1 right here. We're going to look at a courageous act tonight. And let's look at this, this passage of scripture as we dissect this chapter tonight. It says, And when Ataliah, the mother of Hehaziah, uh, of Hehaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. And Jeho- uh, Jehoshaphat, Jeho- Jehoshaphat, I was close, Jehoshaphat, thank you brother, the daughter of King Joran, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's son, which was slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Ataliah, so that he he was not slain. And he was with her, her, hidden in the house of the Lord six years, and Ataliah did reign over the land. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, it's a critical time in the, uh, the lineage of David here. The only survivor is a little baby. And Lord, what amazing, Lord, how you preserve David's seed and you promised that uh, the seed of David will move forward, and it did. But Lord, we see the hand of Satan here trying to destroy the line of David, the line on which the problem, uh, Jesus will come. Lord, I pray, Father, as we dissect this passage, Lord, I just pray, Father, give me the words to teach tonight and teach me as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight, a courageous act. So we see right here, what we see here, uh, remember, we're going to look into, but remember this is more like a revenge type of thing right here. Because remember the next last passage, a couple of passages ago, that, that uh, uh, Ahab and Jezebel and that whole line were killed. Well, this woman right here is nothing but the daughter of uh, Ahab and Jezebel. And guess where she's going after? The line of David. But we're going to look at this as we go down this, this thing. So this chapter, like I said, is not a Christmas story, but for sure had all the ingredients of one. Okay? Why am I saying this? Well, we all know that Jesus comes from the lineage of David. Correct? Class? Right? Okay. And actually, Matthew, Luke, we, we read about those, the lineage. So, And here we see an attack made by a wicked woman which goes by the name of Ataliah, towards the line of David. And if it was not another brave woman here, used by the Lord, the line of David would come to an end. Okay? Listen, here's one thing we need to understand. God uses people. But He uses people who are willing to be used of Him. This woman saw the need. This woman saw the slaughter. This woman saw what's going on, and this woman hidden somebody who was very important. Somebody of royal blood. Okay? So tonight I want to speak about this courageous act. I think you would agree with uh, agree that for Christmas to be saved, so to speak, okay, don't take it literally, Christmas must be, must be threatened. Okay? For example, the Grinch. Remember the Grinch? This is a silly story, but I want to share with you about the Grinch. Dr. Seuss, you know it's about Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss? The people, one of the, one of the books of Dr. Seuss that it was like, 
one of the most popular books in our home when our kids grew up. It was The People's House. Everybody ever read The People's House? Those kids, my kids knew that book memorized. <laughs> it was like they quote the whole book to you. It was a book. This house was the Dr. Seuss, the, um, the People's House, or uh, what do you call that, that movie? The, um, oh, goodness. The Disney movie. That was The Lion King. Those were the most popular things in our house. If it was not the book, it was the movie. If it was not the book, it was the movie. So, that was Dr. Seuss. Uh, I, I read quite a bit of Dr. We had a lot of Dr. Seuss books. But this one, the Dr. Seuss famous book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. First appeared in, uh, in uh, this book appeared in the late 1950s. Dr. Seuss wrote uh, 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 a rhyme verse, and he, and he writes about a solitary grunch or a grinch creature who tried to cancel Christmas. Every who down on every who down in who, who village village that's what it is uh, liked Christmas a lot. Those people in the who village liked Christmas a lot, but Grinch, who lived uh, just north of the Who village, did not. So the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. I don't know why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be that his head wasn't screwed up right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. You see the movie? You know the story of, and, and of how the Grinch uh, steals all the, uh, the Christmas gifts and all the decorations from all the homes nearby Who's Village. Actually, it was funny. I, I watched a little video. Sometimes you get those little reads on Facebook, right? I don't know if you have Facebook. And this little video, it was Santa Claus is coming with a big bag full of toys. This is all made up, okay? And he's walking, and Grinch comes down the street running as fast as he can, steals the bag of toys, and walks down the street, and guess who's down the street? The police officer with the skunk. <laughs> Handcuffed Grinch and took the bag back to Santa Claus, and everybody's laughing. That was a little read on, uh, on Facebook. I saw that like a couple days ago. But anyway. So anyway, just for the sake of it, again, to save Christmas, so to speak, Christmas would have to be threatened. So despite the best efforts of a, of a policeman or a fireman, toys for tots and churches everywhere, no doubt there were, there, there were some children who had missed Christmas here. There are some who had no tree, no presents, and, no, and for the matter, no wrapping. There's a lot of kids that miss Christmas in our days, you know, miss Christmas. They don't miss Christmas. The, 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 meaning of, the meaning of Christmas is Jesus. We know that. But yet, for Christmas to be saved, Christmas must be threatened. So, but you wouldn't miss Christmas if you took the presents or the trees. You wouldn't miss it. You wouldn't miss Christmas if you took the music or the tent, the, all the decorations. You wouldn't miss Christmas if you, uh, if you miss Cyber Monday or Black Friday. You wouldn't cancel, uh, you wouldn't only, you only, you only, uh, uh, you, I'm sorry, you only cancel Christmas if you take away a promise. Yet Christmas rests on a promise. What promise? If you can threaten that promise, you threaten the bedrock of Christmas. What's that threaten? If this, this young kid would die, the lineage of David would be gone. And where did Jesus came? From the lineage of David. So, Sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, listen, we have to go back to the Old Testament to understand where Jesus came. Jesus came from the lineage of David, and right here is one survivor. One. Okay? So now, God places promise on a turbulent uh, uh, time of human history. Actually, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, and shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We can see the promise right there made to the human race. And Micah, many centuries later, Micah chapter 5 verse 2, the Bible says that thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall be comfort unto me, that it is to be the ruler in Israel." Who's going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. You see a promise right here. We see that the Messiah would come to where? Bethlehem of Judea. 
And we see in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, it says, And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. So this promise is the foundation of Christmas. Okay? The foundation of Christmas rests on, the, on this promise made to King David. Again, for Christmas to be saved, Christmas must be threatened. So let us look uh, at this from several points tonight, okay? As God exposes promise to this turbulence uh, of human history for a thousand years here, God put His promise out in the, mid, in the middle of the world. Christmas is not a secret for anyone. You think it is? Is Christmas a secret to anyone? You know what? I think the Lord has a sense of humor. Does God have a sense of humor? He does. Why, why He created such weird birds or weird fishes? You ever, you ever catch a fish and say, this fish is ugly? You know, what's the purpose of it? You know, God has a sense of humor. Another sense of humor God has is this. Even the unsaved people celebrate Christmas. You know how many thousands of people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ do celebrate Christmas? Christmas is not a secret to anyone. God promises not, is not a, God's promise is not a secret to anyone. And by the way, salvation is not a secret to anyone either. It's very clear. Salvation is very clear. People say, oh, nobody knows. It's a big secret. It's not a secret. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3.16 probably is the most popular verse in the world. And the gospel in a nutshell is right in John 3.16. Because salvation is an open invitation for the whole world to take in and accept it. Again, Christ, uh, Christmas doesn't, does, uh, doesn't depend on what we do, but depends on a promise that God had made to the human race. And so let's look at this from several points tonight as we look at this story of Ataliah right here and this King Joash right here. Number one, the woman used to threaten Christmas. The woman used and threatened Christmas. You see this in verse 1. Look what it says. And when Ataliah, the mother of Hehaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. Which seed she's talking about here? David's seed. So God's promise was, was, was here in a blink of destruction uh, just 150 years after God vowed David's family uh, would always rule and reign. So now, you see... We see the forces of evil here who's be working behind this woman and we see the Lord preserving the seed of David here. It is good against evil uh, in here. But let me put it this way. Now, David's lineage or, or David's family uh, reigned over the, 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 the post-sizing ki uh, kingdom called Judah with only one interruption. That is significant. There was only one person to reign over Judah right here who wasn't a descendant of David. Let me look, let's look at this. Let's look at who's Ataliah. Who's Ataliah, letter A? In a day when men ruled the nations, Ataliah was the only queen to serve, who served, I'm sorry, to rule over Judah, the only woman to serve over Judah as a queen. Ataliah is the Grinch that nearly stole Christmas here. Again, Judah was only one queen in her history, and her name was, uh, I'm sorry, uh, was Ataliah. I'm not here to make you an expert of ancient uh, Judean kings here, but you will need to know a little bit more about this villain in our story. She ruled the small nation of Judah only for a short period of six years. While she, she's the villain of our story, okay, here, what makes her villain isn't because of, of her gender, part of her... Uh, uh, her being a villain here is what she was trying to do, trying to accomplish here. David's family was to sit on the throne of Judah, and David's family, it is a promise, of course, that we know that Jesus was come to the lineage of, the, of, of David here. So Ataliah was the only person to reign in power over Judah who wasn't a descendant of David. Remember the kingdom of Israel divided shortly after the death of David? Later, a war started between Israel and Judah. You know, you call family divided. They're fighting against each other. And there was a peace treaty among 867 B.C. To put a bow, a bow, a bow, a bow, a bow I'm sorry, on the top of the peace treaty, the, the king of Israel gave Ataliah to the crown prince of Judah. 
she becomes the queen of Judah right here. Athaliah was queen of Judah between from 841, I don't want to bore you right here, but 841 B.C. to 835 B.C. And the only uh, female monarch to sit on David's throne uh, in biblical history. So Athaliah was the daughter, listen to this, of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. So who are these people? They're very wicked people, isn't it? We learn about these two people the way God took them out of the scene. That was the daughter of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And we actually talked about Queen Jezebel last Wednesday night and how wicked this woman was and how she died. So uh, in, uh, in her time as queen, it, it, it is an amazing thing what she's trying to do here. But we see that who's her parents. So let's see her religion. Let her be. Athaliah is the wife of King Jehoram, Jehoran, I'm sorry, and her husband was about 32 years old when he became king, 2 Chronicles 21.5. He murdered all of his brothers when he became king. Can you imagine that? He comes in, he murders all of his brothers, so nobody takes his place. We see this in 2 Chronicles 21.4. And she, uh, she's the mother of Ahaziah, and her son became the eventual king was, uh, when, he was, uh, when he was about 22 years old. So now Athaliah marries into David's family, but she's not a follower of God. We quickly, quickly find out that her religion was morally, uh, and, uh, 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 I'm sorry, affection from the north like a virus to a computer is. And it's not like she's, uh, she's neutral about God, neither. She utterly opposed God of the Bible and, and, and at every step of the way. So she worshipped another God common, uh, uh, common at the time named Baal. Baal was a God, a God or a G-God associated with thunderstorms. And it, it was through that lightning, uh, 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 that uh, lightning, I'm sorry, was as, uh, was his weapon. And supposedly the windows of, her, of his, her, his palace were the openings into the clouds above. So that's how I'll say. So Eva was, was this God that Baal, Baal's name was later used to describe Satan himself as Baalzebub. Baalzebub. They use that. That's how wicked this God was, or made up God, and what these people did. We already dealt with this God before. So Baal was worshipped with ironic acts, and worship often includes sacrificing your children to this God, this Baal God. This was Athaliah's chosen God. So she didn't believe in the God of Israel. She believed in this Baal God right here. So we see that she... Um, we was Ataliah, her religion, and thirdly, her influence. Look at verse 1. And when Ataliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royals. So when her son died, Ataliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, saw her opportunity to seize the throne. And she did it and reigned there for six years. As the, as the founder of Baal worship in Judah, she had no desire to see the Davidic dynasty succeed so she tried to kill all the royal princes but one survived unknown to her david's family was rapidly being destroyed by this wicked woman so satan certainly did is what he could he worked through this woman he just says well she did it listen listen it's forces of evil that we don't see if the lord would allow us to see the spiritual realm that is around us we would be very scared because it's evil against good. It is forces of evil that we cannot see with our naked eye. We can see passages of scripture on which the Lord opened the eyes of people to see it. But here, we, we, we cannot see it with our naked eye. But we can see right here something. You know what? Satan knew that a Savior would be born as promised in scripture. And he is going to do everything he can, he could to, to, avo to, to, to avoid that, that from happening. So they, Jesus would never be born because it was promised that would come to the seed of David. And he's trying right here to get rid of the, of the seed of David so it would cancel Christmas. You know what? But our God is more powerful than Satan. Amen. And our God works to mysterious ways. And he works to a little child, many times you see this in the Bible, to bring to pass what it seems like, seems like almost impossible. But God does that here. Because he kept a promise to the human race. You know, folks, what God promised comes to pass. God keeps his word. So get this. 
Atali is retaliating here because of all that Jehu had done in educating Ahab's family in Baal worship in Israel. Remember that? Jehu, he got rid of Ahab, he got rid of, of, of Jezebel, and guess what happens here? Her, her son died here, guess what happens here? Her husband died here, guess what happened? She goes after the seed of David. Revenge. She was going all she could in her power to get even. Let me put it this way, folks. To return evil for good is demonic. You follow that? To return evil for good is demonic. To return good for evil is godlike. And to return evil for evil and good for good is human. Let me repeat that. To return evil for good is demonic. To return good for evil is godlike. To return evil for evil and good for good is human. Because the tendency we have is in our natural men that we are, somebody does, does something mean to you, we want to get even. Somebody that buys, a, buys you a box, a box of chocolates, you want to buy two boxes of chocolates back because somebody did good to you. You follow that? But that's, that's the way it is. You know, you know, it's not easy to return evil with good. It's not easy. Because when somebody hurts you, when somebody caught you, when somebody, you know, and you hurting, the natural way of mankind is to get even and say, I'm going to get even with you. That's a natural way to do it. I said, you hurt me. Watch me. I'm what I'm going to do to you. But to return evil with good, that is not easy. What Jesus said, if somebody hits you in the cheek, turn the other, way, the other one. Is that hard to do? Somebody comes to you and bang, right on your cheek. And you get up, and let's say you fall to the ground. You get up and say, hey, I like it. Hit in the other side. I don't think, you can count how many people is going to do that. People say, you know, ah, you're going to get it. I'm, you're going to, you're going to see, uh, get a dose of me. But let me tell you, this woman returns evil here because she thought what, what we endowed to her. She, she just goes all out, try to get rid of David's family. So whenever there is a conflict in this world, you will eventually find this spirit of revenge and retaliation. As individuals... Uh, used to fight dwells and uphold a personal honor, so nations sometimes fight wars to protect their na national, national honor. But by killing the royal seed from David's lineage right here, Ataliah was rebelling against the Lord Jehovah, who had promised David that he would have a descendant sitting on his throne in Jerusalem. Get this. Most of us don't go to an extreme in seeking to pay back our enemies. But revenge is, is an, an unknown thing among God's people. Moses, in the law, admonished his people to not practice revenge. We, as Christians, should never be vengeful against people. You know what God says? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You say, yeah, Pastor, that's easy to say. But it's hard to do. I agree with you. It's easy to say, but that's what God says. And if you're going to follow the Lord, you say, Lord, this person did this to me. This person did this to me. I put them in your hands, Lord. I don't want nothing to do with that. You take care of it. But Moses in the Lord admonishes people not to practice revenge. Leviticus 19, 18. Solomon Give the same counseling in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22, and 24, verse 29. Jesus taught against personal revenge in Matthew 5, 38 to 48. The Apostle Paul did it as well in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 21. Peter did the same thing as well in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. So listen, please. Planning and executing revenge does, does uh, far more harm to the perpetrator than to the victim. You follow that? Many famous authors have written about sweet revenge, but experience, experience shows that revenge is very bitter. The Jewish proverb says the smallest revenge will poison the soul. You know, people do that all the time, but just the thought of getting even, the thought of getting in feed on that, give it to the Lord. 
we Christians give it to the Lord. Pastor, but you don't understand. That person did great harm to me. That person did that to me. That person stole from me. That person did that to me. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. I don't see this in an easy way because I'm human too. You follow that? I'm human too. It hurts when people hurt you, doesn't it? Why? It hurts when people hurt you. It hurts when people use your, use your name and, and, and all kinds of different situations and you're totally innocent. It hurts that. It hurt, of course it hurts. But to return evil with evil, that's not what God wants us to do. As Christians, we should never do that. You see, if you are going to pay back an enemy, choose a good one because paying back an enemy is a very expensive luxury. Remember, when the queen murders the living heirs of David's family, she doesn't just threaten uh, uh, national stability, she threatened Christmas itself because God made a promise to David to have one of David's sons on the throne for all the time and eternity. Okay, now point number two. The woman used by God to save Christmas. Look at verse four. And the seventh year, Jehoiada sent, sent and fetched the ruler over hundreds with the captains and the, guard, uh, uh, and the guard and brought them to him and to the house of the Lord and made a covenant with them and took an oath of them and in the house of the, of the Lord and showed them the king's son. See, when Atalaya killed the ears of David's throne, the faithful remnant in Judah must have wondered where, where God was and what he was doing. I, as she was killing all the, the, the descendants of David. Why would he make a covenant promise to David and not keep it? Where was God? How could he allow the queen mother or this woman right here to do such an evil deed and jeopardize the future of the messianic line? But God was still on the throne and had his servants prepared to act. You know, sometimes and many times even uh, natural disasters, all kinds of things, I hear people say, where is God? He's sitting on his throne. He's not panicking. He's not caught by surprise. Listen, there's nothing in this world that happens that catches God by surprise. Amen. Nothing. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are, are in every place. He watches the evil and the good. God sees all. There's nothing. In the Bible says in the book of Psalms, there will be no place we can hide from the Lord. No place. He says, even if I go to the deeps of hell, you are, you, thou art there. God knows all. He's all-knowing. Right. You see this in verse 2 and verse 3, all the way verse 4 says, in the, in the violent uh, may, uh, act right here, this woman tried to destroy all the children right here. But we see a courageous woman right here, what she does. Let me put it this way. We say, we look at this story, but think about it. If this woman got caught, what do you think would happen to her? Kings in those days, they were very practical. She would be killed. So let's look at a, a woman's courage. So the priest's wife courageously hides this infant son of David in the house of God. What a good place to hide a child. This is a remarkable woman right here. Uh, if she snug in, in to steal the Mona Lisa picture, so to speak, in front of a French police, she couldn't, have, she couldn't have more nerve to do that if she does what she did right here. You know, but I'm just using as, as being facetious here. But for Christmas to be safe, folks, Christmas must be threatened. And Christmas was being threatened here. The promise of God was just one baby's heartbeat away from vanishing. God exp exposes promise to the turbulent of human history right here. So celebrate this woman right here as the woman who God used. Not the woman who did it. The woman who God used to save to preserve David's seed. You know what? Don't you know that the God who used this woman can use you as well? There's always circumstances in life, all kinds of things that God can use us for his honor and glory. And this woman is used by the Lord right here. 
We need to celebrate this woman because she did a, she did a, a terrific job right here. So she was God's woman to save the day right here. She should have been uh, on Time Magazine, so to speak, a person of the year. <laughs> but few of us have ever heard of her before. This woman is courageous for what she did. Let it be. We see a good hiding place. Look at verse 3. And he was with, with her, hidden in the house. Guess what? This woman taking care of this kid in the house of the Lord six years. And not till I did reign over the land. Let me put it this way. Think about it. Okay? For six long years, this woman was taking care of this kid in the house of the Lord. And for six long years, can you imagine how she lived in total state of alert? Because at any moment, some soldier could come in. Any moment, somebody could spill the beans. Any moment, can say, you know, one of David's descendants is over there, and he's still alive. You know what would happen? Six long years. You know, the guards made an oath. This weird that they would not say anything. You know, many people today, they made an oath, and two seconds later, everybody knows about it already. These people made a note, you know what, this, the, the seed of David was growing slowly in the house of the Lord. This woman was there. And I can imagine, just imagine if it were you. Total state of alert. There was no cameras to see who's outside like we have in our houses today. There was no cameras. There was no cell phones. There was no information. It was just there. They were there hiding from this queen who was going on, looking for the opportunity. Of course, that opportunity came when he took possession, he took the reign, and this woman goes away. But for six long years, folks, six years is a long time. A lot of things happen in six years. In one year, things happen. You know what? Everything happens to me. Every, this, this is me. Talking about procrastinating. I take my Christmas lights down, and I, every year I say, I'm going to tag these things. So I know next year where these lights go. But when you take the lights and I remember. It's like, you know, 12 months from now. Put everything in, put it in the box. Guess what happened? You have no clue. <laughs> I was like, where do all these lights go? So you have extra lights. You know, like it's, it's a mess every time. <laughs> but every year I plan it, you know. But see, in six years, a lot of things happen. But this woman is a good hiding place, the house of the Lord. Why do you think the house of the Lord is such a good place to hide somebody? Why do you think? It's big. Many rooms. A child, imagine, she is, this is a little kid. He's going to scream. He's going to cry. He's going to yell. He's going to play around. You know, you have to put him in a place and he can be totally hidden from anybody suspe suspecting there is a child here. Six long years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the scene? Why can't I go to this room, Mama? Where's my parents? Why can't I play with the other children? Why do I have to stay alone here? Did he see other children play through a window in the temple? We don't see. We don't know. We don't know. Those are questions that we don't know. But you know what? For six long years, this child was hidden. From this queen. The priest and his wife had to be. Uh, had to have a nerve right here. Uh, or, or their nerves on the edge right here. For six long years. Total state of alert right here. To keep things going. In a way that this queen did not know. It amazes me even to think about it. Let us see. We see a heartbeat away from annihilation. A heartbeat away from annihilation. We see that it says right there. In the middle of verse 2, it says, And stole him from among the king's son, which was slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Ataliah, so that he was not slain. So Christmas was just an infant heartbeat away from annihilation. Only one heir of David was alive, and he was just one year old. The fragile baby held the promise of Christmas running through his veins. Yet with God's promise, nothing could have been more secure. God was aware of what's going on, and God was keeping that child safe. All right. Can God keep you safe? Yes. 
God can keep us safe. We have a wonderful God. And right here we see God keeping his promise that a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Even though it came to one survival, God keep us promise. So we see, number one, the woman used to threaten Christmas. Number two, the woman used by God to save Christmas. And number three, the baby who foreshadowed Christmas. Look at verse 7. How bait the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant. That's a big word right there. Of the covenant that he made with David. And as he promised to give a light to him and to his sons forever. You see, God Almighty made a covenant with David. And God said, I'll keep my promise. So the child was the lone, solitary lamb, lamb or lamp of God on earth. The child was probably about a year old when the queen went out on her rampage killing everybody. It's quite a story, isn't it? A baby shall be king. A child shall wear the crown. 80 year, uh, 80, 150 years before Bethlehem, a child threatens, uh, threatens the throne. Long before Herod goes to his rampage of killing every infant in Bethlehem, a queen kills her grandchildren in the name of self-promotion. You see, read that, folks. Satan, Satan right here, is after the lineage of David and is a, try to destroy everybody. And when Jesus is born in Bethlehem of Judea, who goes after all the children? Herod. Kill everyone. What did God do? Go to Egypt. Ain't God good? God was protecting. You see, the evil attacking tried to get Jesus away because Satan knew that Savior was born. Satan knew that Savior that was born in Bethlehem of Judea was going to be the Christ of Calvary. He's going to shed his blood for you and me. Amen. It's amazing. The Old Testament, it's very interesting to read. It's a lot in here. It's a blessing. Praise the Lord that we have it. So, letter A, we see the secret is revealed. Look at verse... Uh, Second Chronicles, if you want to go there, if not, just let me read to you. Verse 1, 23 verse 1, it says, And in the seventh year Jehoiada strengthened himself and took the captains of hundreds, Haraziah and the son of Jer uh, Jerohim, and, and Ishmael the son of Jehon. I mean, there's many names in here, some of them very hard to pronounce. And, it's, and it says, on two, and the end of the verse says, On two covenant with him, so we are not told how the priests and his wife, and the priest and his wife, convinced everyone that a descendant of David truly existed. The priests finally work up and uh, up the courage to reveal the child. Every one of God's children can take courage when they act uh, when they act in concern with God's promise. But let me tell you right here, this man, this priest right here, and his wife. I tell you what, it might took quite a bit of time to. To actually convince all these people, this is this is this little this is royal blood right here. This is uh, this is of David's descendant right here. That's the next next king right here. Can you imagine doing all that beyond the scene? So the queen didn't know and send all the troops and kill everybody. It takes courage, isn't it? It takes courage to do those things. Every one of God's children can take courage. When they act in concern with God's promise. Anyone who saw the child was sworn to secrecy on their very lives. The chosen day was the Sabbath because of the shift change would draw the queen's attention. The temple guard as well as the priests, the Levites, all serving shifts in rotating basis. So the plan was for the five companies of priests, including two that had gone off duty after a week's service, and the one on duty to all to be in the temple together without suspicions as a major Sabbath festival. They plan all this. So and the Bible tells us, uh, uh, tells us the instruction to the guards actually, Look at verse 5 of second, uh, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 11, 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 5. Look what it says. And he commanded them, saying, This is the thing that ye shall do. 
A third part of you that enter on the Sabbath shall even be keepers of the watch of the king's house. And a third part shall be in at the gate of Sir, and a third part of the gate behind the guards. So shall ye keep the watch of, of the house, that it be not broken down. And two parts of all you that go forth on the Sabbath, even they shall keep the watch of the house of the, of the Lord about the king. And ye shall compass the king around about every man with his weapons in, in his hands. And he that cometh within the rages, let him be slain. And be ye with the, the king, and he goeth out as he cometh in. You see, they, they plan it all so this could happen. Like a nighttime Navy SEAL raid, everything went off like clockwork. They encircled the child for his protection and his, and his scheduled time. You're thinking about, this is about a six-year-old kid right here, whatever, around that age, maybe seven, around that age. They need to protect that child. He cannot protect himself. But they're going to do something big right here for the Lord. See, everything was to happen inside the temple complex. The seriousness of it, all they reveal when the priest says, look at verse 8. And he that cometh with ranges, let him be slain. So let it be, we see that weapons used in verse 10. The weapons used. Look what it says in verse 10. And to the captains of a hundred, did the priest give King David spears and shields, and they were in the temple of the Lord. When the priests and the army entered the temple that Sabbath day, they likely did not uh, did so unharmed, so did not nobody suspect anything. Where would they find the weapons in the temple to protect David's only heir right here? Interesting, they discovered spears and shields from David, from King David to protect David's heir. They found them. So whenever King David defeated an enemy, he would take their sword and shields as trophies. When his son Solomon built a temple, they, they seem to have been hung up somewhere to inspire future sons of David to be to, to their noble acts. So several generations had passed until Joash ran secretly around the temple. So nobody gave a second thought to David's old weaponry right here. So perhaps there was the sword that cut the, the, the head of Goliath here as well. But they were nothing more than, than decorations. But their people went in on harm. And they went in, so nobody's suspecting anything. When they got on the temple, guess what happened? They have all the weapons. I'll tell you what. It's good to plan ahead, isn't it, for the future. We say, like, oh, you know, you live today, you die tomorrow. Okay, yeah, why am I going to, you know, I live for today. You know what? It's good to plan for tomorrow. Because when we plan for tomorrow, guess what? We might not use what we plan, but somebody else may use it. You follow that? It is good to plan for tomorrow. You know, we have a story of the Lord Ant in the book of Proverbs about this. But it's good to plan for tomorrow because we don't know. And right here, what David did, what his son uh, Solomon did, and other ones that did, you know what? It came to, to aid right here. They said, we can use those things. The guards could not walk around with weapons in hands, and this would draw the attention of the queen too soon. So it was David's weapons that were hung up generations ago that were taken down in order to protect David's son. So little could David have imagined that the weapons he secured would protect his family and God's precious promise long after he was gone. You know what? They, David did something, so did the kings after David. You know what? It was God's planning because God knows what was going to happen. God knew one day that was going to be used. You know, my son Patrick calls my workshop in the back, he calls, he calls my workshop Benny's. <laughs> he said, well, I said, well, one time I said, why you say you call that thing Benny's? He said, well, get that because you store a lot of things there. And there's always a day you need something and you have it. <laughs> You go there, and, you, and, and it's there. So anyway, so later day, we see the death of an evil queen. Look what it says in verse 14. And when she looked, behold, the king stood by a pillar as the manor was, and the princess and the trumpets by the king. And all the people of the land rejoiced and blew with trumpets. And Ataliah rent her clothes and cried, treason, treason. So the repeat shout give, save the king, alarms the evil queen, causing her to haste out of the palace to see what was going on. So the first thing she discovered was that she was trapped. 
There were guards around the palace, between the palace and the temple courts. So there was no opportunity for her to escape or for the, uh, her own soldiers to come to rescue her. So she hurried to the temple court where she saw the young king standing by the pillar, verse 21, protected by the captains. She also saw that the assembly was made up, uh, up not only by the priests, Levites, and military personnel, but also the people of the land that was there. So she, would, she had no chance to survive that. It was well planned to the point to take her down. So all of Jerusalem would have known what was going by then. The sound of celebration could be heard for miles right there. So it was like the cat was out of the bag right there, and the queen was soon wise to what was going down. So when the queen finally gets, gets her mind together and understands what's going on, it's just too late. Too late for her. She hears the cheering and charges into the temple, she knew immediately, and, and I love how the Bible tells us, look at verse 14, what it says, in the end of the verse says, Ataliah rent her clothes and cried treason, treason. She cried treason, treason, as she tears her clothes in, in protest. Ironically, that's the one who had committed treason, cried treason, when the rightful ruler was restored. You follow that? She has no rights to be at the throne of David. She had no rights to take that throne, but she did. And she says treason. And you know what? The right person to be in that throne was that little kid right there. Not her. It's amazing. You know what? I put it like this. We should not put ourselves in a position where God doesn't want us to be there. See, she, she murdered her way onto the throne. And she was murdered on her way out of the throne. Let us see, you see the coronation of the king, verse 12. Look what it says. I'm almost done. And he brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, God saved the king. Each man knew his instructions. The child was circling protection and he was finally revealed. Let me put it this way. Why this happened? Because people are over one mind right here. If when, people, when the people is of one mind, things happen. You know how we move forward as a church? If we are one of one mind, of in unity of heart and mind. Otherwise, we're not going nowhere. No corporation survives when people go in different ways. No corporation survives. Not even a church. You see right here? This young kid could not take care of himself. God was working behind the scenes, but God worked in the hearts of all those people in order for them to be behind that king. And say, we're behind you. We will take that evil queen out of power. I tell you what, it's the same thing. It's got to be unity of mind or else. Everything fails. Or even we follow God what God says or else it's going to fail. If we don't follow God with our church, our church will close down eventually. It will die down. And there's nothing I can do about it, neither you. I saw a church that I was, I loved that church. It was my home church when I got saved. A church of almost 800 people, and today does not exist. Gone. You know why? Because people took their eyes off the Lord and began to do things that were contrary to God. And God eventually closed it down. Sad, and when I think about it. The memories that is in that church, that when I got saved, my wife got saved, my kids got saved. And there's no more. There's nothing we, I can do or you can do if we take our eyes off the Lord and do our own things. God will close this place down. I'm not saying this in, in a mean way. I'm saying this because I believe in what God says in His Word. Like right here, this kid came to the throne because God worked in the heart of all that people, and they were all united together. They had one mind. That is the we see the meaning of Christmas. And we'll be done, okay? This is real, isn't the story of, uh, of uh, a postage-sized nation having his right, rightful king here? No, this wouldn't matter all that much to you and me. No, this is a story 
about a promise, a promise made by God and made to David right here. God made a covenant with David right here. When the priest read the covenant, he read of a covenant that foretold of a king to come that would be much bigger than a nation, than the nation of Israel in the Middle East, and the king, king Jesus came to the scene. We have to understand that one day, as, as written in Scripture, Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of Judea as a little baby, and he came. And well, like I said in the beginning, someone tried to take his life. Who? Herod. He was energizing Herod, Satan himself. Praise the Lord for God's promise, that he keeps his promise. What God promised, he keeps. And we have a God that keeps his promise. I conclude with this. When King Ataliah went on her rampage of brutality and murder, trying to kill every descendant of David, God's promise was still secure. God didn't panic. God didn't get out and, you know, got into an anxiety and stuff, you know. You know, what were we going to do? No, God was in total control. When Herod was killing every child under two years of age, God promised, God's promise was still secure. When Joseph and Mary took the child unto Egypt, God's promise was still secure. When Pilate washed his hands and mocked innocence, innocence on Jesus' trial, God's promise was secure. A woman didn't, didn't this woman didn't save Christmas, God saved Christmas. She was just a vassal like Mary I preached Sunday morning, used by God for God's purpose. That's what it was. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Even though it's not a Christmas story, it has a lot to do with Christmas. Lord, you kept your covenant, you keep your promise as you preach and you, and you teach us on your word. Help us to believe that, to have faith in you, Lord. You are coming, you, you are coming again as you promised, and we believe that Jesus is coming again. That's a promise that you made, and we're waiting for you to come, Lord. So come, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Any questions?